0: Hello, it's the May DCM Podcast. My name is Tom Linnet and this month on the DCM Podcast, we're launching the 2022 Digital Cinema Media Awards. And to do that, I'm joined by DCM's Head of Marketing, Zoe Arresti and Business Director on Dentsu and Publicist, Mike Freeman. Hi, guys. Hi Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. We'll start with you, Zoe. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. This is your second appearance on the DCM Podcast, Zoe. It is, yeah. So he obviously wowed us nice on the Nice to be back. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And Mike... Your first time on the DCM podcast? First of many. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, what did you do to swing this? I have no idea. <laughs> we'll see if I'm invited back. Yeah, we'll see. So, before we get in deep into awards chat, I'd like to give well, I usually give an update on the current state of the cinema marketplace. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has been in cinemas for almost three weeks and to date has delivered 3.1 million DCM admissions. In terms of TVRs, that equates to 13, 16, 34 male TVRs. That's a good number, isn't it, Mike? Strong numbers. Yep, good. And we're now less than seven weeks away from the release of the next Marvel film, Thor Love and Thunder, which is once again directed by Taika Waititi, who made Thor Ragnarok. What's exciting about this one is that the Guardians of the Galaxy are set to feature heavily, and Natalie Portman returns to Thor. She wasn't in the last Thor film, and this time she picks up Thor's hammer and becomes uh, becomes Thor. I mean, apparently that's canon. I haven't read the comic books. But anyway, it's going to be another big hit, isn't it, Mike? Tom, for me, Thor Ragnarok is my favourite Marvel film. Okay, you've gone big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's
2: one of the films that doesn't take itself too seriously. It's funny. And yeah, Taika Waititi is a genius for me. Okay,
0: that's good. Are you a Thor fan, Zoe? You don't have to be. No,
1: I am. I'm a Thor fan as well.
0: Okay. If you liked the Doctor Strange numbers that I quoted earlier, we're talking double digit 1634 adult TVRs, 1634 male TVRs, then get involved in Thor Love and Thunder. Now, also in cinemas at the moment is the indie sensation Everything Everywhere All at Once, which has come from almost nowhere and is on track for at least half a million DCM emissions, while The Lost City, Sandra Bullock, back in, on the big screen, has just sailed past one million DCM emissions. The big news, though, is the imminent arrival of Top Gun Maverick, which is set to light the box office on fire. How excited are you for Top Gun Maverick, guys? You know what? We saw this a couple of years ago, like a
2: few bit of the footage. Not the entire in, film. Just... In, no, in Cine Europe, a few scenes. And it's been, yeah, s- since then, so excited. Every delay has just been a bit heartbreak. And it's finally here. R- reviews are
0: incredible. Five stars across the board. Uh, so, yeah, can't wait to see it in IMAX. So after Top Gun, it's Jurassic World, Dominion. Then a week after that it's Pixar's Lightyear. Then two weeks after that it's Minions: The Rise of Gru. And a week after that it's the aforementioned Thor. It's gonna be a crazy few months, isn't it? Summer's looking strong. It's always
2: always strong for us though. Like that's the thing when you people think that cinema's quiet in the summer because of the weather, but it's blockbuster season. And this year is the same again. Huge, huge titles for families. Jurassic World. You know, I I remember growing up with Jurassic World, one of my favourite kind of childhood films.
0: So. I can't think of a t- period where we've had six such big films all in a row, you know, a week or two between them all. It's very exciting. But we're not here to talk about the films. We're here to talk about the DCM Awards. So the Digital Cinema Media Awards is back for the first time in three years. Zoe, tell us what the DCM Awards are and why do we do them?
1: The DCM Awards are run in partnership with the campaign. And as you said, they haven't been around for the last three years, but they're back for the sixth year. And they're an annual celebration of the best campaigns showcased on the big screen by the media industry. And it's really great to be back this year to shine a light on and celebrate the brilliant work delivered since the last award scheme in 2019.
0: And when do they take place?
1: They take place on the 20th of September. Okay. And this year we have changed our venue. We're going to be hosting them at BAFTA, which has been recently renovated. And it feels like, you know, really exciting opportunity to be hosting it at what's, you know, the home of UK celebration of film.
0: Mike, what do you like about the DCM Awards? I think for me, it's the
2: atmosphere. It is it is special. It feels different from other awards. A, the ceremony is quite short, which I think everyone appreciates. Less than an hour. Less than an hour. We're quite strict on that. Get in, get out. Just before and afterwards, everyone is in such good spirits. And I think this year, I think, will be even more sort of poignant after the rough couple of years we've had, a chance for people to get dressed up, shout out to Rob Powell wearing his green velvet jacket, um, and just celebrating the best of cinema advertising, people involved. Everyone's just in a good mood,
0: and yeah, it's not one big party, basically. Zoe, so someone's listening to this who has maybe had a campaign on cinema and are thinking, I fancy getting involved in the DCM Awards. What are we looking for?
1: So we're looking for innovative media planning and buying and creativity, essentially campaigns that have made the most of cinema's unique and powerful environment to deliver powerful results.
0: Okay, and what are the categories?
1: So we have six categories that are open for entry. We have Best Use of Cinema Small, which rewards categories under £250,000. Best Use of Cinema Large, which is campaigns over £250,000, best bespoke for cinema, best use of innovation in cinema, best marketing for good in cinema and then really excitingly this year we have a new category which is focused on talent and celebrates the individuals who have been championing the cinema medium.
0: Great stuff and then from those six categories we pick a Grand Prix winner don't we? It's like the Eliminator and Gladiators uh, except there's no travelator in this
1: one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, you're right. We do have the Grand Prix as well, which is chosen by the um, by the judges of the winners of the five main categories, not including the talent category.
0: Also, the talent person cannot win the Grand Prix. Sorry, talent people. Anyway, who have been some of the big winners in the past? Mike. Last time 2019 Starcom
2: walked away with the Grand Prix, that was for their little campaign, uh, little movie moments. Uh, where they partnered with with Cineworld, like quite a long term partnership over a year, creating sort of amazing brand ad, but also partnering with Cineworld, where you spent a certain amount at Lidl, you got free tickets. So it was kind of a multifaceted approach. And I think that's what the judges look for uh, beyond just creating an amazing ad uh, and putting on on screen, doing something different, doing something innovative beyond the normal. So yeah, publicists have actually got really good form on this. I think so it was of Starcom 2019 and then Zenith won it before that. So yeah, they've they've picked up the Grand Prix the last two years we've run it. Uh, and then I think it was OMD before that. But yeah, we've had some amazing we've had some amazing winners over the last few years. Really excited to see what's coming up. And I think we've we've extended it beyond just the normal year is that right Zoe?
1: yes exactly so we have extended the criteria period to include any campaign from the last awards ceremony or the last award scheme
0: so that would have been so that end of 2019
1: yes but if you look at the judging criteria period it would be august 2019 to may 2022 um which allows for as we said, every campaign to be recognised since since the last award scheme.
0: So that's worth reiterating because people might think, Oh, I had a campaign on cinema towards the end of twenty twenty and it or twenty nineteen and it wouldn't be eligible. It is eligible. You can still get involved. So if you're sitting there thinking, Oh, I missed out on the DCM Awards, maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. So very exciting. So, Zoe, do you have any big winners you want to talk about from the past?
1: I think Mike's covered a lot of, you know, the big winners that we've had and As he was saying, Zenith did win, and that was for Max Factor, and that was a brilliant campaign. Also, you know, we've had the likes of Channel 4 and OMD win as well, talking about the Grand Prix here, like the big winners of the night. And then Heineken, 3 and LG, there's been a whole range of winners. I feel particularly lucky because I get to sit in on the judging day, and it's just so interesting to hear all of the judges debating, you know, fighting their corner, picking the winners. And it feels like a real privilege to be part of that process as well.
0: So you've already mentioned the judges. Who are they? How do you get to be a DCM Awards judge?
1: We have a really brilliant judging panel again this year, Tom. Really excited. So we're, it's chaired by Maisie McCabe, who's the UK editor of Campaign. And then you have the likes of Ali Reed from PhD, James Bailey from iProspect, Katie Lee from Wavemaker, Mark Clancy from Smart Media, Natalie Cummins from Zenith. Patrick Affleck from Havas Media Group, Paul Knight from Omnigov, and Sharon Dillon from Initiative, Naren Patel as well from ME has joined the panel, and. This is a working list, we still have a few to be announced, so really excited to share those names. But we have a whole range of people from the media industry, Um, there'll be some names from the creative industry as well, and clients. We like to have a whole range of individuals who are involved, or their teams certainly are, the businesses they work for, are involved in the campaigns that we are judging.
0: So it's a mix of people from the media agency world and creative agencies as well?
1: Exactly, and clients as well. Um, We like to have a whole range of judges on the panel who would have been involved in the work that we are essentially then reviewing.
0: And what will the judges be looking for?
1: They're looking for big ideas, strategic thinking, how cinema was integrated as part of marketing activity, how it's contributed to planned success. What's really important is, of course, detailing the results. That will always be key as part of a campaign. Um, And where possible, including cinema-specific results will really stand out. And, you know, including endorsements from clients also will be really great as part of entries.
0: And what is the deadline to submit an entry? 15th of July. So if you're listening to this, you've got just under two months to get your awards entry together and be in with a shout of a DCM award where do they submit
1: they submit online we host our awards platform via award force all the details can be found on the DCM website so dcm.co.uk we have a bespoke awards page and that will direct you to where you submit your entry and has all the relevant detail
0: so that's dcm.co.uk forward slash awards yes yep get on there and have a look around so a new category has been introduced this year. You've already mentioned it. It's talent, best contribution to cinema. What was the thinking behind introducing this category and what sort of people can enter?
1: So I think when we were discussing the categories for this year, this idea was born very much from the experience of the last two years with the COVID-19 pandemic. It was tough for cinema and for DCM. Mike will have experience of this as well. When we came back, We had so much support from people and that was just really inspiring and great as we've been rebuilding our business. And it felt like a really good opportunity to shine the light on those people and how they've been working with us, what they've been doing to champion the cinema medium and those who kind of go above and beyond to get the best from the growing opportunities that our medium presents.
0: Would you echo that, Mike?
2: Yeah, look, coming back May last year, we didn't quite know how it was going to go, but we've been so pleased with the return of advertisers as well as obviously admissions has has bounced back really quickly too but we know that a lot of the guys at the agencies are kind of colleagues and friends that we've worked with for years and years have have pushed that and got us back in the minds of their clients their planners so I think it's a great way to celebrate not just whoever wins it but all the people that nominate are nominated
0: commended I think it's a great great new strand of the awards this year. And we're looking for a person. Yes. Okay, that's quite exciting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, Mike, you worked with Starcom, who won the Grand Prix last time out. What was the brand and what did they do that made them stand out? So, the brand that Starcom won for last time was in 2019 was Lidl. They developed a long-term,
2: over-a-year partnership with Cineworld, where they ran their brand ads. And what they wanted to do was increase the basket size of people that go to Lidl from I think above above 20 pounds and if you spent more than 20 pounds at Lidl you could get Access to free cinema tickets, and they made bespoke idents relating to specific films, so Mary Poppins, Toy Story Four, The Lion King. So it was a multifaceted approach. They had, crucially, as Zoe said, it was it was in the results that I think really swung it their way as well, as that creative approach. They they demonstrated fantastic ROI and sales results as a as a result of this cinema campaign, and that's always going to be the kind of key thing that swings it in one brand's favour for the Grand Prix. So yeah, I'm sure Starcom will be back with with some more worthy potential winners this year as they've they've been flying on cinema.
0: Zoe, what's been some of your favourite work that the DCM Awards have shone a light on over the past eight years? It's been going eight years, hasn't
1: it? Well, we launched in 2015.
0: Oh, seven years. Have I got that wrong? Well,
1: this is our sixth year, but of course we had to take a break. Yeah break during covid. So yeah, we've been going since 2015. And yeah, there's been there's been so much brilliant work. I think as Mike said, the Lidl campaign in 2019 was just really impressive. I mentioned some others prior as well, you know, the Max Factor campaign.
0: That was with The Greatest Showman, wasn't it? Yes,
1: exactly. And Murder on the Orient Express. And there was, you know, real synergy with film content and film partnerships. And that was again, kind of showcasing the best of of cinema. And that was really great. Similarly with the Channel 4 Paralympics campaign that won the, prior, the year previous to that. So it's just, yeah, there's been some really, really great campaigns that have been brought to light as part of the awards.
2: And I mean, I think one other thing that I hope comes out of these events, I think it does, is not just celebrating the work that happens, but also people can be inspired by some of the stuff they see that other agencies are doing and see that you can use cinema in so many different ways. Yes, the spot and the impact that that gives. And we all know kind of the brand uplifts that that, that does, but it's so much more Potential than that, and our DCM Studios guys have been so busy since we've reopened, with loads of different partnerships, and it's taken off uh, very, very quickly. That team, so yeah, that's another another possible outcome.
0: It's a really powerful experience being in the room on the night, isn't it, and seeing all the incredible creatives on the big screen together, and just seeing people's response. One of my favourite moments was when Three and LG the unboxing, not the unboxing video. Well, it was unboxing, wasn't it? Yeah. and it was influenced by the Blair Witch Project and it was like a three minute creative and it genuinely was funny and quite scary and really riffed off what we know about the Blair Witch Project and just seeing that because I think some people in the room had never seen it before as well and it was so impactful just seeing everyone jump at the right time and laugh at the same time It, it really just captures what's so great about the cinema environment in three minutes didn't it
2: yeah and they used they used it very differently cinema I think some people shy away from horror but horror is really strong in cinema and people get more excited and are scared more in the cinema and they, they kind of made the most of that and it was an incredible long-form copy that they showcased and yeah it
0: was great to see. So the awards themselves, you said they're taking place at BAFTA, what can we expect from the change of venue Zoe?
1: There will be lots to expect. I'm not going to give away too many secrets. Also, oh, surprises to, on the night. Yeah, excited to kind of, you know, also a lot of people in the industry might have not been to BAFTA before and similarly will not have seen it since it's been refurbed. Because it's, it's had a
0: major refurbishment. Massive hasn't refurb,
1: it? yeah. And it's just an incredibly beautiful building and the screening room that's within BAFTA as well is just super impressive. Um, Yeah, so just really great to showcase the venue to everyone and put on a really great event like we do every year. The awards are one of my favourite. They're extremely fun. People get the whole red carpet experience. There's a lot of celebration. As Mike said, the actual ceremony itself is short. We kind of get the awards part over and done with quite quickly and people will be lucky to have the wonderful Tom Lennay back as a host, won't they Tom?
0: I th- well, I think it's been confirmed that I'm hosting again, but
1: but no, you're always a real highlight as well of the night, mm, and thank you. yeah, it just it's kind of getting everyone together in a room, celebrating, having fun, enjoying being in each other's company again.
2: We love the Ham Yard Hotel. We've had it before, but it almost felt like we outgrew it. The bar, and I think it'll be a little bit bigger, won't it? This venue, so we can invite hopefully more of you uh, and get more of our clients and agency people
0: there this year. And is it going to be? sunday best black tie what are we thinking
1: not black tie but you know definitely glitz and glam getting dressed up we want people to you know get really stuck in and like we said red carpet red red carpet experience
0: well i'm excited because i've not worn smart shoes for two years (laughs) so (laughs) that in in itself is exciting from it to me but okay well it's the dcm awards uh, when's the closing date for entry Zoe? again 15th of july we'll go on the website dcm.co.uk forward slash awards have a look around and start having to think about your the work that you might have been involved with that could be eligible for one of our six categories and we'll hopefully see you on september the 20th
1: indeed yeah and it goes without saying of course if anyone ever has any questions to reach out to myself the events team but also your dcm rep and you know always happy to help
0: so that's it for the dcm awards let's just chat generally about films But what are you looking forward to seeing next, Zoe, or later in the year?
1: I have a long list I need to catch up on. I want to see everything everywhere all at once. I still haven't seen Doctor Strange and obviously Top Gun coming out this week. I absolutely can't wait to see it. But another one I'm quite looking forward to, which comes out in August, is Bullet Train. I as you mentioned before with Sandra Bullock kind of making a comeback to the big screen. I also watched The Heat over the weekend at home and well, that's she's funny. just she's just brilliant and I just love her and Brad Pitt's in it as well. Um and it's about like five assassins who find themselves on a train and they discover their missions are kind of not unrelated to each other. It just looks fun. It looks up upbeat. It kind of is right up my street as well.
0: And that's directed by David Leitch, who made Deadpool 2 and Hobbs and Shaw, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. So if you've seen either of those two films, you'll probably know what to expect from this one. But I agree, it looks super fun and sparky and great cast, along with Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock. You've got Zazie Beats, Bad Bunny, Aaron Taylor-Johnson... Um, yeah, that looks like a good one. Anything else?
1: Black Panther as well, Wakanda Forever, which is out in November, and that needs less explanation, but really looking forward to that as well. Yep,
0: that's a great one. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's an interesting title in terms of the Football World Cup, isn't it, Mike? Because that's coming out on the 11th of November, right at the start, of the fo- right before the Football World Cup. And if any brand is worrying about how they're going to reach that 1634 audience on TV because it's going to be so expensive across the Football World Cup, Black Panther Wakanda Forever could be the answer to all your prayers. Yeah, exactly. Just
2: before the World Cup is is starts, and it's going to be huge for 16 16:34's uh, sort of cultural movement and conversation that it started a couple of years ago. And yeah, it's it's so efficient for 16:34's these these Marvel titles, Black Panther in particular. Uh, it's going to deliver scale for that audience
0: when it's going to be. Like you said, Tom, really hard to reach that that audience. And we're talking upwards of 23 1634 adult TVRs. Um, so, yeah, you'd, wh- where else are you going to get that except it, the business end of the Football World Cup? And that's the thing. When
2: you buy into a film like Black Panther, very few people go and see it more than once. So it's 90% plus one unique reach that you're adding to your AV plan. Uh, so it's a great building block of, of all those Christmas campaigns that's that kick off around that time. And what films are you looking forward to for the rest of the year, Mike? So I'm going to pick three very different films. The first one is Avatar 2. So I watched the original during lockdown and I hadn't seen it for maybe 10 plus years. And it still carries, like, it's still incredible. It looks amazing. And I'm just so intrigued as to where it's going to go. I love the story. I know some people have kind of said, how relevant is it now? But you know, you'd be a fool to bet against James Cameron. I've, I actually rewatched Aliens. We were talking about this the other day, Tom, and just what a genius James Cameron is as a director. So that Alien and Aliens to Aliens, um, just what phenomenal films there are. So there's that one, which is obviously going to be biggest film of the year, blockbuster. Hopefully, yeah, and it's Avatar The Way of Water. It's out on the 16th of December. So delivering huge, huge numbers, you know, very broad audience, but... Just before Christmas, the second one I'm going to pick, and I'm not a big horror fan. I, you know, get get scared quite easily. But nope, um, Jordan Peele. If you've seen Get Out, you'll you'll know exactly kind of what I'm talking about in terms of an innovative, interesting director that and voice that he carries in in horror. And the trailer is it's one of those trailers where you watch it. And you haven't got a clue what what it's about, and that's quite refreshing when you watch a trailer because sometimes the trailers, like for me anyway, Tom, we, we watch quite a few here at DCM. Sometimes they give way too much. Whereas this one, it's just enough to get you intrigued as to what the hell is going on with that film. And then the third one, a bit more light relief, Fishman's Friend 2. Um, so, you know, just easy watching, love the first, and Just a very lovely sort of British film, which I think will ease the strain after I've watched Nope and
0: got got freaked out by that film. Well, Nope is out on the 12th of August and Fisherman's Friends 1 and All is out on the 2nd of September. But it's also worth mentioning Nope. It's a horror title. We've spoken a bit about the 1634 audience on this podcast already. But when you're talking about reaching the 1634 audience and the 1624 audience... No better genre than horror, is there, Mike? For
2: me, it's a massively missed opportunity. I know some brands are nervous about being close to kind of the content of horror, but like I said before, the excitement that horror generates, and it's it's one of the genres that's taken off in the last few years with lights likes of Halloween um, franchise. And like you said, Tom, it is the most efficient for targeting that 1634, particularly 1624 audience. It just seems like a missive a massively missed opportunity when brands don't take take it up and play in that space
0: and you said also some brands maybe don't want to be close to that sort of content but it's worth mentioning in terms of jordan peele i mean he won the oscar for best original screenplay with get out this isn't slasher films these are smart intelligent that it's called elevated horror nowadays you know films that are aiming for you know high art almost i think get out and us his two films to today are two of the most striking films of the last decade yeah no 100 percent. i think they've they've moved the
2: genre along and he in particular has so yeah that's why i'm just so intrigued as to as to what he does
0: with nope Yep, me too so that's it thanks for joining me zoe thanks tom thanks mike thanks tom i'll be back next month when we'll be talking about something else and I'll give you an update on the DCM awards entries and we'll talk about Top Maverick numbers and we'll look ahead to the rest of the year thanks for listening bye bye